All right, praise the Lord, everybody. Welcome to Sunday night service on Super Bowl Sunday. Yeah, amen. A lot of you guys made the right choice, and you are in the house of the Lord, and we appreciate that. You're so awesome, all right? We're going to have a great time tonight uh, worshiping and getting into the Word, so I hope that you are expecting to hear from the Lord this evening. Amen. Let's go ahead and stand up together. We are going to open up by speaking some words of faith over the United States of America, and we are going to keep believing that this nation is coming to Jesus. Can we get an amen tonight? All right. Let's say this together. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name, and in unity, we confess that Jesus Christ is Lord over the United States of America. We declare that righteousness, mercy, justice, and judgment from you shall prevail. We declare that America will complete her God-given mission to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ to the world. We push back the darkness of Satan from this nation and call for the light of Jesus Christ to invade the media and every home, church, and school, and every town, city, and state of this great nation, the United States of America. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, give the Lord some praise. And you may be seated. Very good. All right, let's go through a few announcements here. we got plenty going on over the next few weeks. Uh, first of all, I want to remind all you married people that this coming Friday night is our Married's Night, all right? And it's going to be lots of fun. We're doing an Italian pitch-in dinner, and so just bring an Italian dish of some kind to share. And there is free child care, so make sure you come on out and bring the kids for that. Uh, you can register online at hdwc.org slash married, and that will help us out to get... A little bit of a head count on uh, how many children are going to be there so we can plan appropriately for that. But don't miss out. It is going to be a super cool night, and we're really excited about it. All right? Next Sunday night, one week from right now, is going to be membership class. Who's excited for membership class? And so... It'll be 4 to 7 p.m. Uh, this coming Sunday, and there is child care for that. Uh, so make sure that if you're signed up uh, to be here, we will give you a reminder phone call or text this weekend, all right, if you're signed up. So we will send a reminder out to you and uh, and make sure that you remember and that you're there. It's going to be a great night. And then a couple of Sunday nights from now is going to be worship night. At, yes. At... Uh, for the 6 p.m. service on the 26th, all right, that's the last Sunday night of the month, uh, for the Sunday night, 6 p.m. service, it's going to be a worship night, and uh, we're just going to come in and worship, and whatever the Holy Spirit chooses to do, we're going to flow with it, but there's no agenda, nothing planned, no sermon, just whatever God leads us to do, it's going to be a really wonderful night, and we haven't really had one of these for quite a while, so we're super pumped up about this night, it's going to be great. And then Financial Peace University, we're going to be doing that again, starting on Sunday. Sunday evening, March the 5th. We'll have some more details rolling out in the next week or two, but that class will run from 5.30 to 7 p.m. on Sunday nights, and it is a wonderful way to get some financial help if you need some, you know, guidance on that and learn how to handle your finances God's way. So we will be getting the information out on that the next week or so. Then the last announcement is Sunday, March 12th, is Mrs. Pastor's 75th birthday celebration. 
We're all really excited about that. It is going to be an awesome day. We're going to have a big pitch-in dinner right after the Sunday morning service, and we'll get a, a menu going here in the next week or so. But everyone be here at the 10 a.m. service that day. It is going to be a wonderful day of celebration, and we're just really, really excited about that day. So make sure that you don't miss Sunday, March 12th, all right? Well, that is the announcements for now, so who knows what time it is now? Time. Yes, that's right. It is happy time. God loves a cheerful giver. I'm going to have Pastor do the Sunday evening tithes Hallelujah. and offerings tonight. Hallelujah. Amen. Glory to God. Hallelujah. That working? Woo! Uh, like that man said years ago, can you hear me now? He said, pretty soon they'll all hear us. Yeah, they did for a while, didn't they? <laughs> all right, hope you had your envelope for your tithes or your offerings. And open up your Bibles to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. And we're going to look at verse 33. Yeah, that should be a scripture that... Uh, if you're over three or four months old in the Lord, then this ought to be a scripture you could just quote forwards and backwards and go right to. And Pastor Dave was in this passage this morning when he was preaching, and it talks about the things that we need in life to live, things we need to sustain us and help, help us in everyday life. And uh, talks about how non-covenant people, unsaved people, they're all fretful, they're worried, they're full of anxiety and worry. They don't know what they're going to do, what are we going to do, what are we going to do. But Jesus told us right here in verse 33, Seek ye first, seek ye first, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. And I was thinking about young people when they first get started off in life, and they get paid, they go to the grocery store. Uh, they, they kind of got things set up to take your money before you get what you need. I went to the store with Mrs. Pastor, you know, was going for a month. And so I went to the store, and it amazed me. I went to the store, the first thing I saw was Hostess cupcakes and ding-dongs and potato chips and pop and all kinds of goofy stuff like that. I had a list. They wasn't on my list. So I didn't get them. And I, I, I know that I've watched young people, my own kids and ones over the years, when they first get married and start doing their own thing, they stock up on what grabs us to come in there, man. Their senses get all excited. They see all that good stuff, sweet stuff. And by the time they get home, oh, we forgot the milk. We forgot the bread. Honey, did you get any meat? No, nope, but I got a lot of ding-dongs. <laughs> and hey, they had these cherry pies in there, three for a dollar. Two years ago, now they're not that, but anyway. <laughs> but anyway, what I'm saying is this. I've had myself disciplined all my Christian life when I get paid before I even look at a grocery list or a light bill or anything else, I write out a tithe check. I seek ye first. The first thing off the top is the tithe check, and then I can see what's left over to do the bills, the thrills, and everything else I want to do. But it's the first, the kingdom of God. And because of that, all these things that I need, he adds to me. And, you know, I, I just think about, about what, what, what a shyster the devil is. Christians think... Somehow, that God doesn't know the difference between addition and subtraction. They think, if I give God the tithe first, 
that I'll be subtracted from. And so I can't afford to tithe because I'll be subtracted from. I'll lose. But Jesus said, nope, it doesn't work that way in the faith world. When you take care of God first, he adds too. Amen. That's called faith. And so, you know, I just, I just want to say to all believers listening to me, if you'll read your Bible and you'll put God first, not just in your life and pray to everything like that, but with your money. Put God first with your money. Take him at his word. He said, bring your tithe into the storehouse. Then he said, prove me. And if there's ever a time that God's looking for faith people to prove him, it's now he wants to show himself strong. He wants people that looks like they're barely going to get along to prosper and succeed. And the reason he does that is because we're his children. He wants people to come up to us and say, how are you guys doing it? I make twice as much as you, but you're living better than me. Say, I changed my source. You know, I work at the railroad, but I work for God first. I work for the school, but I work for God first. Or I'm in the military, but I work for God first. And when you live your life that way, Jesus himself said, all these things, all these things will be added unto you. And so I just want to always encourage Christians to just take the simplicity of the Bible and believe it. He said he'll add, not subtract. So the next time that you're ready to do something for God for your money, like tithe or something, and the first thing you know, that little thought hits your head, well, wait a minute. If I do that, then I can't do this, and I can't do this, and I can't do this. No, God said he wouldn't subtract, he'd add. Amen. Doing better preaching than you are shouting. <laughs> All right, let's stand up and make our financial faith confession. Then we'll bring them to the altar, worshiping God together. As we bring the Lord's tithe and give offerings today, we believe we receive jobs or better jobs, promotions, raises and bonuses, benefits, sales and commission, growth in business, settlements, estates and inheritance, interest and income, rebates and returns, checks in the mail, gifts and surprises, finding money, bills paid off, debts paid off, royalties received, blessings and increase. Thank you, Lord, for meeting all my financial needs, so I have more than enough to take care of my family, to give justice into the kingdom of God, promote the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.
Father, through your sons and daughters, and we love you with all of our heart. All of our soul, Lord, we're working on our soul and all of our strength. And as we get into your word tonight, I think you, your word's going to get into us. And Lord's going to get into our thinking, our understanding, Lord. And I thank you for the grace of God. We can act on the word that we see, that we learn, that we hear, and be stronger Christians and better Christians, and not be backsliders. But press it in. Do it better every day, Lord, to represent you on this earth and live a victorious Christian life. Thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. You can be seated. I'm excited. I'm, I'm, I'm really excited. I'm going to teach something tonight I've never taught and not so sure I've ever heard it taught like this. The Lord gave it to me fresh today from early this morning, working all day long, but it's a area of life that I've worked on for 43 years. It's my solical life. My solical life. Uh, tonight's title is Get Your Soul Under Control. Get Your Soul Under Control. And Pastor Dave taught on uh, a couple of weeks ago on uh, Wednesday night, the 25th of January, healing for your soul. So I know the Lord's been talked to him too. We haven't talked to each other about it, but I know the Lord has talked to him about this because he's been hitting on it some. And uh, I've been studying verses for the last several months, the Lord working on me. The longer I live, the more I need to know to be able to live a victorious Christian life. You know, I think I think about I think about Christians. I was talking to somebody this morning about things that's going through it. I said, "Well, I said you're doing something right. If the devil wasn't trying to attack you, you wouldn't be a threat." Amen. And so, uh, one of the big ways he attacks Christians is them not understanding the difference between their spirit, where Jesus lives, and where faith comes from, and their soul, which is that part, which is that part of you that your your understanding, your will. Your emotions and those kind of things. And that's why so many Christians think they're backslid because they get too emotional and they, they blow it us and things like that. They, they, they think, well, I must be backslid. I'm saved now. Well, that's the devil throwing thoughts at your mind, part of your, part of, part of your solical part. And so many Christians go cold because they don't understand that their spirit where Jesus lives has nothing to do with their head. When you get born again, you don't ask Jesus into your head. You ask him into your heart. God lives in your heart, not your head. Uh, God's a spirit. God's not an emotion. We have emotions, but emotions aren't supposed to control us. We're supposed to control them and use them when we need them. Amen? For different things. But anyway, I don't want to go down that road because that's not where I'm going. You need to see uh, some of these verses I'm going to show you. And... Uh, Probably going to get some meat tonight. So if you're if you're meat eaters, you need some meat. You need to take notes, listen closely, and then watch watch the uh, whatever we call it anymore. I don't know what they call it. They're not a tape. They're not a film. They're what do we call it? Live stream. You can watch that again. But look at Ephesians chapter two, verse eight and nine. And this this is a familiar scripture. It's a Bible scripture. And if you were ever a Baptist, it's a scripture you heard frequently. And there's nothing wrong with that. I'm not saying anything wrong about it. I'm just saying it's a scripture. They've made, they've major on this and, and we need to too, till we're born again. Then we're born again. We need to grow, grow beyond this. But Ephesians 2, verse 8 and 9. And, uh, as we look at this, I want you to see what it says because it says it very plainly. For by grace are you saved through faith and not, 
and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works. You're saved, not of works. It's the gift of God. It's free. Salvation is free, not of works, lest any man should boast. And so you get saved, which is born again, a free gift from God. You don't get saved by good works, right? Amen. Amen. Uh, how many here were ever Baptist besides me? Did you ever hear that verse? Amen. You don't get saved by works. You get saved by grace, by faith that's in Him. Now, how many do know, and you're matured after all, the Bible doesn't contradict itself. When you go to reading verses, if they seem to say something different, you need to dig a little deeper and find out what's in it. So it says, you're saved by grace, not of good works. Now turn to Philippians 2.12. Philippians 2.12. And verses like this, verses like this, I had to pray about for years. I've, I've had understanding of this for a lot of years now. But the last few months, the Lord has been giving me more and more for my own life. Philippians 2.12, Wherefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Does that sound contradictory to what we just read? Well, by the time we get through tonight, you're going to really understand what he's saying. Because Paul, by the Holy Spirit, wasn't double-minded when the Bible was written. And so, I think about 2 Timothy 2.15. It says, Study to show yourself approved unto God, a workman that needs not, not to be ashamed, rightly dividing or rightly interpreting the word of truth. And so, the Holy Spirit that inspired the words is the Holy Spirit that could use the word to interpret it for you and define it to you. He said, Work out your, your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God, verse 13, it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. So your spirit is saved by faith, and that's God working in your spirit. It says God working in your spirit, but working out your own salvation is talking about your soul. And we're going to see that in the Word of God very plainly. Walk about the salvation of your soul. This is talking about getting to show up on the outside what you already have on the inside. Has this ever bothered anybody besides me? You have such a great, wonderful prayer time. Man, you're in there with God and the Holy Ghost, and you're all fired up. You're all set to go. And then you run into somebody that rubs you the wrong way, and you blow up. And you get absolutely goofy. You get stupid. And then sometimes wrong words come out of your mouth, words that you don't say in church. And you think, where'd that come from? Well, it didn't come from your spirit, because God's working in your spirit. Amen. God don't cuss. He doesn't blow up at people. He doesn't say bad things about himself. But your soul, your soul needs to be worked on nonstop. You need to get your soul under control. That's what we're talking about. Now, stop and think about this again. He said we're saved not by good works. But then he gets starts saying, right, work out your own salvation. Amen. Work on your soul. He says, get your soul under control. And, you know, you look at this right here, verse 12. You know, they're born again. People says, wherefore, my beloved, as you've always obeyed. He's talking about disciples. He's talking about Christians. He says, you've always obeyed. He said, now work out your own salvation. Because it's God working in you. Well, I know the Bible 
you know, somewhat. And I know that God's not working inside of unsaved people. He's working on them to get on the inside. But you can't say to somebody, that's an absolute heathen, anti-God person, hates Christians, hates everything that's morally right. You can't say, you know what, brother, God's working in you. Well, there's a God working in him, all right. It's not the same God that I serve. It's a different God. Amen? So does this, is this making sense to you, these two verses I'm seeing? He says, God's already working in you. And then I will paraphrase that and say this about working out your own salvation with fear and trembling. I said this statement a minute ago. I'm going to say it again because he gave this to me years ago. He said, what this means is getting to show up on the outside what you've already got on the inside. I've got God working on the inside. I want God working on the outside more. So when that temptation to blow up at somebody that wrongs me is there, I just stop and say what Jesus said. I say, Jesus, forgive them. They don't, they don't know what they do. And you know, that's really, that's really the truth according to the Bible because we know the story of, of Saul of Tarsus when Jesus showed up because he was hurting Christians. He said, hey, why are you persecuting me? And so there comes a point in time when your persecutors will be in trouble with Jesus. And so that's why I could easily say, if somebody's really working on me to try to destroy my life, my family, my church, in my prayer closet, see, I wouldn't want to say it to their face because to say stuff like this, when you say it, it comes out wrong. And then they think you're somebody that's some kind of super religious person. And then in modern times, you'll be all over Facebook or whatever other goofy things they got talking about you, what a holier-than-thou church this is, when people think they're better than everybody else. And so I do my talking in private about people. I say, Father, forgive them. Give them grace. Have mercy on them, Lord. Lord, please give them another chance to get this thing right, because I know, I know, I know, Jesus, from your word, if they keep attacking me at the ministry you've given me, and my family, there will come a point in time they're in trouble with you, and I don't want to see that happen to them. Amen. You said I'm saying. And instead of blowing up and saying, I'll tell you what, uh, they got they got 10,000 likes, I'm going to get 20. Well, I only care about one like. That's Jesus liking me. Amen. And so, and so he says, it's God working in us. And so let's talk about God on the inside, getting to have some control on the outside, because we get our soul under control. Now look at Hebrews chapter 10, verse 39. And I, I'm setting this up so you'll see these different verses. And this is not something that I really had to study out when the Lord got me started this direction early this morning. I just started writing things down that I feed on. I started writing things down that I live on and that I've grown on for all my Christian life. But Hebrews 10, verse 39, you've probably heard this verse before. says this, and this is the same Paul talking. But we are not of them that draw back unto perdition. That means backsliding. How many don't want to backslide? This is this tells us what to do to, to, to set ourselves up not to backslide but to keep pressing forward. We're not of them who draw back to perdition, but he's talking to believers, but of them that believe to the saving of the soul. Wow. There it is again. He says, the best way to set yourself up to stay saved, not backslide, is work on your soul. We believe to the saving of the soul. And you know, I know that uh, Christian talk has always been, man, uh, soul winners. You know, uh, how many souls got saved? Well, I just know that in this church right now, I know the pastor's still working on the saving of his soul. 
My soul is being worked on by me in a big time way in the, in the, in the time period I'm in. I'm working on my soul because it seems like the more you grow, you start recognizing the imperfections. Have you recognized the imperfections? We're supposed to be growing all the time to become more like Him. And as you become more like Him, something happens with us. We're going to look at some of these verses. Something happens that we recognize, wow, I got a long way to go. And you know what that means? I just realized that my soul needs some more saving. I'm not talking about my spirit. My spirit got all the salvation that's ever going to get in the twinkling of an eye. Back on January 29th, 1980, when I said, Jesus, you're real. I give my life to you. Come into my heart. Forgive me, Lord. Be my Savior. Right then, all the salvation my spirit could ever get, it's God. Why is that? Because God's in there. And he's perfect. And I'm a new creation in Christ. Old things are passed away. All things become new. That's 2 Corinthians 5.17. My spirit does not need restored. It doesn't need saved. It doesn't need converted. My spirit became brand new. I got saved. It's brand new. Well, if my spirit's brand new, how come sometimes I do things I don't want to do? How come, how come sometimes I make the same mistake over and over and over and over and do the same stupid thing again? That's because my soul needs to get saved. It needs more saved. And so he says we believe to the saving of the soul. And so this is a lifelong process. Born again salvation in your spirit is instantaneous. The saving of your soul, as long, as long as you're living, as long as you're breathing, if you want to stay a born again Christian, stay saved, walk with Jesus, you've got to continually be working on your soul and be believing God to help you get that soul under control. Now look at Hebrews chapter 5. And this is actually where the Lord gave me this morning that as I spent more time with him, these other things came out and got added to it. But Hebrews chapter 5, verse 12. says, For when the time you ought to be teachers, you have need that one teach you again, which is the first principles of the oracles of God. Pastor Dave hit on that this morning too, about the first principles of the oracles of God. And are become such as have need of milk and not of strong meat. For everyone that uses milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he's a babe. And we know the Bible, the New Testament, Paul teaches over and over again about different different uh, levels of spiritual growth. He teaches, teaches about baby Christians, teaches about Christians that are starting to grow a little bit, and he teaches about mature Christians. As I said, the time is, he said, many of you ought to be teaching somebody else by now. But said, you're still just living off of milk. And so we all start off. We all start off as born-again children, uh, babies, only know how to feed on the milk of God's word. Baby Christians, they mainly know that Jesus loved me. He died for me. Oh, Jesus saved me. My past is erased. My past is gone. He died for me. Jesus is the one that loves me. He saved me. I'm brand new. And like a baby in the natural, what do babies in the natural basically do? They cry. That's what I do cry. And you know, it's cute to see a little baby. So innocent. Nothing there. But babies can't help anybody. Babies only need help. They need somebody else to clean up their messes. They need somebody else to find out why they're crying. And all they can drink is milk. And so that's what he said here. 
said, said, said you're acting like babies again. And so a lot of Christians have not grown past all they can do is say, Jesus loved me. And you know, there's baby Christians that have been born again a half a century. There's baby Christians that have been born again for years and years. And they can't really do anything. They don't know how to pray for the sick. They never got a handle on tithing yet. They never have got a handle on who they are in Christ. They never got a handle on the authority they have to bind the devil, take authority over things. They don't know they can pray for somebody else. They got the prayer line number they've had for 40 years, taped to their telephone to call somebody to pray for them if they're in trouble. All they can do is cry and drink milk. And you can't, you can't steal their salvation from them. They know they've been saved by grace. By faith they're saved. It was a gift from God, but they never grew beyond salvation of being born again. So all they do is drink milk. And Paul said, you can't handle meat yet because you're still a baby. You've got to grow. And we're talking about your soul changing. Working out your own salvation with fear and trembling. And instead of living out of your soul, begin to live out of your spirit and control your soul. Hey man, I, I want to keep this simple so don't get over everybody's head. But are you, are you with me so far? The things that we're seeing. You know, maybe, maybe, I, I know the golden eye. Jesus wants us to recognize the difference between our soulical life, our spiritual life, and that that way, the next time, and I'm not prophesying to you, but I know me that lives in an earth suit, and I know a lot of Christians, next time you blow it, well, pastor, you're making a bad confession. I'm dealing with life, and if faith doesn't deny things, faith changes things. And so if you know there's a chance, you might get stupid again in life. You might do wrong things in life. Something like that. Instead of backsliding and using a le- losing a year out of your life, getting out of position of what Jesus wants you to do in the church, or the Christian witness you had on your job, and you backslide, and then you become a reputation. Oh, you can't believe anything they say. They're just religious. Just a bunch of religious people. I remember when I got... When I first got saved, I've told this story before, but it fits in right here. After I got saved, I've been saved a couple of years. And uh, the Lord said to me one day, he said, I remember what you said, the Sunshine Inn. Well, the Sunshine Inn was a tavern where we used to truck drivers. We'd go down there, cash our checks, and sit around, drink a little beer on payday, and, and have our talks. And I was talking to my brother-in-law. And I, I wasn't even thinking about any God or Jesus or anything. We just having a conversation. And I said, you know what? If I ever start going to church, I'm not going to be like so-and-so. It was just two sinners talking. And so-and-so was a mechanic on our job. Well, this guy on the job, he, 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 was, he was an alky. And he'd get his life right with God, start going to church. And we'd be standing around telling our dirty jokes, stuff sinners do. That's what sinners do, the sin. We'd have, we'd have our pictures and stuff. We'd show each other, tell dirty jokes and talk stupid. He came up to us, oh, you should not do that. The Lord's going to get you. And unload on us. And then we wouldn't see him for a while. He'd be off on a drunk and miss work for two or three weeks drunk. Then he'd come back in preaching to us. So whenever he came around, we didn't know if he was going to be preaching or if he was going to be cussing and doing the same thing himself. And so in the, in the tavern that night, I said, if I ever, if I ever get right with God, however my words were, I don't know whatever sinners say. I said, I'll be all the way or not at all. And the Lord told me when I was about two years old, the Lord, he said, I heard you that day and I took you at your word. And so I've been that way for 43 years. And what I'm saying is this, if you've ever been a believer that falls back and you've had a pattern of that, 
I've got the cure tonight. Amen. I've got the answer tonight, what to do. I sat at a church like this when I was a baby Christian, and my pastor showed me how to grow. I fed on things like off of people like Kenneth Hagin, Kenneth Copeland, etc., etc. They're not God, but they knew him better than me and taught me a lot. And so what I did, Paul said, be followers of me as I follow Christ. That means be imitators of me. And so what I've done in my Christian life, the things they told me out of the Bible that helped them, I studied and I did, I did what they said they did. And so many times when I've come into situations as a truck driver, I've stopped and think about what did my pastor say he did when he was out in the world before, before he got into the ministry. He's a Christian working in the world. That, and I know how to handle people's situations because my pastor showed me as so I put that into practice in my life. And then the ministry, when I come into situations in the church, I always said, now what did Brother Hagin say he did when he was a pastor? How did he handle that? You see what I'm saying? I was training my soul all the time from godly things and godly principles from the Word of God I learned off of other people. And that's helped me not to backslide. It's helped me not to quit because I knew what to do because I got my soul under control. Instead of when I missed it and blew it, just, oh man, I must not even be saved. And just get all mad and alone me and say, oh God, I'm so stupid to serve you. Why you ever want to use me? Look what I did. I cost the church money because I made a miscalculation on a project we did. Just things I've done or Lord... Why could I have handled that person better that was trying to destroy the church? I should have done better the way I handled them. Et cetera, et cetera. And they walk away and say, man, I'm not worthy to be a pastor. You see what I'm saying? Has anybody ever, ever, ever kicked yourself in the butt so bad you want to walk away from God because you made dumb mistakes? Well, he was still in your spirit, so loved you just as so much, but your soul was not under control. Your soul controlled you. And so we see right here, he said, everyone that uses milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he's a babe. Say he's unskillful in the word. Didn't say he didn't know the word. Say he's unskillful in the word. But a lot of people know, know the word of God, they're just not skillful in how they apply it. Katie, that's a nugget. Amen. They just don't apply the word right. They don't know. Now, verse 14, this is what the Lord gave me this morning when I was... When I was praying about what he want me to teach on tonight, he gave me this verse right here that everything else I'm talking about came off of this right here. But strong meat, solid food, belongs to them who are full age. That means spiritually mature. Now here is the key. Even those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. By reason of use have their senses exercised to discern good and evil. And I wrote, I wrote a few things down about that, that it means to me. I just want you to listen to this. He's talking about you moving from instruction to application. Where you become a doer of the word and your life changes. This is how you exercise, or by Senator Cobb says, how you train your soul. You train it this way. Uh, full age means spiritual maturity. You have grown to where you can receive the meat of God's word and spiritually digest and grow strong spiritually. You can digest the meat. You know, you still drink milk. I still drink milk and I'm almost 72 years old. I still like milk. But I live on more than milk now. I don't live on milk alone. I live on other kinds of food. I can eat solid food now. And as, 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 a, as a mature Christian now, I still like to read Romans 10, 9, and 10. 
Whosoever call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. For I believe in my heart, confess my mouth, Jesus is Lord, I'm saved. I still, I still like the basic first principles of the Word of God. But I don't stay there. I know now that greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. I know that I have power over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt me. I know that God before me, who can be against me? I mean, lots and lots of things, other principles, the word of God I know. I've have, I have a lot of meat I can eat. I'm a meat eater now. Not just milk. And so that's what he's talking about here. And so uh, another way to describe a mature Christian, uh, you move from instruction to application. And, and this tells you how to mature. This last part of the verse, those who by reason of use, that means those who are doers of the word. Doers of the word. You know, I think about some of the things. Uh, it may seem sometimes we talk about tithing a lot. Because we do. Because that's part of your victorious Christian living. If you don't get that, that hinders you in so many areas of life. I, I, I've watched people sit in churches like this for years and years and years and years. And they still don't get what a tithe is. And I watch them, the struggles they go through, the financial hardships they go through, and all the things in their life because they've got God's hands tied because that one simple thing that God said to do, they don't do it. And that's moving That's moving from instruction to application where you're not a hearer, but you're a doer. And, you, and so they just really they stay babes. They never grow because that simple thing. And then the love walk. There's so much we teach about the love walk. Faith works by love. Love never fails. Love's in our heart. God is love. Love people like I love you and all those kind of things there. And they still come up and they want to pray vengeance on somebody that's wronged them. Pastor, I want you to pray for so-and-so. They've come against me. I'm taking them to court. I want them to go to jail and throw the key away. You know we have people come over with those kind of prayers? You, you can't believe people would be that ignorant about things. But do you think they're a mature Christian? I think about Jesus on the cross. He could have said, God, kill them all. He knew he was on a mission. His mission was to save the world. And all all those God-haters was killing him because that was the devil through them trying to destroy us. And Jesus said, I'm taking their sins. And Jesus didn't say, take them all out. He said, forgive them. Don't know what they do. Amen. Hey man, we're, we're, talk, we're talking about taking the word of God. He says those who by reason of use, the doers of the word, have their senses exercised. Now listen to this. Train your soul and your physical body to get in line with God's word in all that you do. It says to discern good and evil. It's gotta be, it's gotta be second nature inside of a born again believer that as soon as somebody talks mean to them, they forgive them. As soon as somebody slanders them on Facebook or whatever else, I don't even look at it. I quit looking at Facebook a long, long time ago. The only time I ever even glance at it now is if my wife or somebody tells me, look what the grandkids did from New York. Look what the grandkids did from Florida. Look what the grandkids did, et cetera. Or you all you see on there what, what so-and-so said on there. It's really good. They're talking about you or something. I thought, well, yeah, let me, let me see what's on there for that reason. But I am not going to let that garbage destroy my soul. Amen. I'm going to keep my soul under control. I like what Dr. Barclay said. Was that Pastor David? I went down there last week. He was talking about his life. He said people had written books about him, slandering him, calling him all the names they call him. And 
there's articles and different things come on and said somebody say, the Pastor Barclay, Dr. Barclay, did you read what they said? He said, no, I'm not going to, and you better not tell me. I am not going to get that in me to mess me up. Amen. Is this helping anybody to see these kind of things here? Amen. To exercise your senses, you've got to get your soul trained with the Word of God. You have automatic recall on the inside of you, how you act, you respond on automatic pilot. I know that, uh, I'm thinking about driving. I learned how to drive a car, and then I had to learn how to drive 18-wheelers. And, you know, Pastor Dave, he still learns things about driving. He's a pastor, so I won't. Anyway, I let him drive us to the airport and things like that. Right down the road, he was, he was making fun of things I've taught him. We're riding on the 15th like that. He says, Dad, I know you're looking, you're looking, you're looking, you're looking up, up the road there at that fourth semi up there to see what's going on. He said, I can see that far too. I said, okay, but see, it's, it was second nature to me. On tra- traffic in California, I still handle it like I did when I drove an 18 wheeler. When I when, by, by, if I'm driving somebody else doesn't know how to drive by looking far ahead, they get stopped over here. I'm already over here where they're still moving. Because when I'm driving up the road, I see those brake lights come on way up there, that lane. No, it's time for me to get over here now. Because all of a sudden, people are out there, oh, crash, 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 crash. Like the brakes. Because I've got myself trained automatic pilot, I see what's going on. If I see an erratic driver out there, I already anticipate back here, be ready, because that guy's lot to pop in your lane. And so by the time they do that, I wasn't caught off guard. Because I've been watching them for the last five miles, what they're doing. And I know what they're going to do. And so I'm saying as a Christian, you need to be trained automatic pilot. That if you're going into your job or something's going on, and somebody catches you off guard, you ought to have automatic pilot kick in. Well, your soul doesn't lead you. Your spirit overrides your soul. And automatic, automatic pilot, you handle that thing. I've got myself trained. You know, Pastor Dave, we talked sometimes. We had a lot of poor years years ago where we didn't have much. And one of my most fearful things of the whole day was checking the mail. Oh, we used to hate to check the mail. Going to shut off the lights, going to do this, going to do that. Uh, all the stupid stuff. I started reprogramming my soul to say, you know what, today we're going to harvest. And I started calling it. We started calling, going to our mailbox, going out to pick the harvest. You know why? Because we're givers. It's given back to us, good measure, pressed down, shake together, men giving our bosom. And so instead of expecting bad crops in the mailbox, we started expecting harvest in the mailbox. And so we never checked the mail for years. We said, let's go, let's go get the harvest. What was I doing? I was exercising my senses, my soul, to keep my soul under control so I didn't have to live in fear because God didn't give me the spirit of fear. That's wrong for the devil to make you afraid to answer your phone. Of course, now they got caller ID, so now you... That, you know, that's easy to do now, but back then it wasn't easy to do because you had to answer your phone because it might be somebody wanting to bless you, so you had to. <laughs> All right. So moving right along. And so, uh, you, you need to, you need to train your soul and your physical senses to act in line with God's word. That's called to discern good and evil. Keep your soul under control. In other words, you mature from being a babe in Christ to a grown-up believer by living and making decisions in life based upon the principle of God's Word instead of what's socially and politically popular, Jesus and His spiritual laws never change. Jesus and His spiritual laws never change. They never change, never change, never change. I remember one of the first uh, 
guest speakers we have when we were baby pastors were some really seasoned ministers in their 70s from Michigan. And uh, we had them come down to our church. I'll never forget something the pastor's wife, I guess she must have been a pastor, who kept saying, she kept, when she was teaching the Bible, she said, I'm going to do what's right if nobody else does. You know, there's a lot of things that popular preachers preach today about morality and other things that aren't Bible. But they want to grow big churches. They don't want to offend people. So they preach things that are anti-Bible about life like that. I don't care what anybody preaches. I'm going to preach the Bible. I'm the one going to answer to God for me. I'm going to answer to God for what I taught, how I lived, and what I did. And so if I know what God's will is in the Bible about moral things, then I'm going to preach those things and do my best to live like he says to live. I don't care if there's 10,000 people give me 10,000 don't likes. I'll never see them anyway because I don't look at it. As long as I get, if God be for me, Romans 8.31, who can be against me, doesn't make any difference. I decided a long time ago that God and I were a majority. Doing better preaching than you are shouting. Hey man, I'm talking about helping your soul. And so anyway, uh, I want you to go to 2 Peter chapter 1 verse 4. 2 Peter chapter 1 verse 4. says this, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises. You know, that's what the Bible is. The things he tells us he did for us, that he's doing for us, he has for us, what he's doing, what belongs to us. That's exceeding great and precious promises. That by these, by these words in the Bible, you might be partakers of the divine nature. That's your soul starting to change. We've got the divine nature in our spirit. And I want to quote this verse again. I've already quoted it a couple times. I'm going to quote it again. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 and 18 says that we're new creatures in Christ. Old things are passed away. All things are of God and all things are from God. So in our spirit, we have his divine nature. But he says by the exceeding great and precious promises, we change on the outside to become more like him on the outside. Partakers partakers of his divine nature and what happens when you partake his divine nature you escape the corruption that, that is in the world through lust the only way the only way you're going to walk free from all this horrible perversion there is everywhere now is to stay in the word of God and let this word work on your soul so you're not moved by that I hate it I basically don't watch the news now I try to get my news off my iPhone and the internet I've got a couple sites like look to but now I can't even go to those sites without having women in bikinis jumping around and dancing and stupid stuff. And I have to try to scroll past that real quick just to read it. They give you a couple paragraphs, but here's the dancing ladies. I have to get that stuff off the phone. That, that's the world. And your soul as a man gets affected by that. You have to watch yourself that you end up staring at those bikinis. Amen. You have to watch that stuff to keep it off you, and this is called getting your soul under control. I want to say this again. If you're a man, and God lives in your spirit as a born-again Christian, and he does, God in your spirit isn't at all tempted to stare at him. It's your soulical part that wants to do that. And the only way you can escape that corruption that's in the world through lust is become more and more partaker of his divine nature. And we're going to show you how to do that. 
Right the word of God. So can you see how he's talking about the soul here? We've already got this divine nature in our spirit. But we want that showing up in our soul. Amen. Amen. Glory to God. I'm going to say it again. No better preaching than you are shouting. Thank you, Jesus. And so spiritually, we're new creatures in Christ. But for our life to change, we've got to activate. We've got to activate these exceeding great and precious promises into our soul. Set under a pastor that will feed you not only milk, but also the meat of the word. And then put into practice what you learn. It'll do you no good if you don't put it into practice. James one twenty one has really been a powerful verse of my life. I've really been feeding on this one and feeding on this one and feeding on this one and feeding on this one day and night. Because I want to change. I want to do better. I want to bear the fruit in my older age that Jesus wants me to bear. I want to be productive how he wants me to be productive. I want to change. I'm not going to grow, grow old and get stagnant spiritually. I'm going to go grow, grow older and get sharper and sharper and sharper and sharper. And my soul is going to cooperate with the Spirit of God inside of me. Okay, verse 21. Now look at this. Wherefore, lay apart all filthiness and abundance of wickedness. Now look at this right here. And receive with meekness the engrafted word. Or my center cup says the implanted word, which is what? Able to what? Save your souls. What saves your souls? You receive with meekness. To meekness means be teachable. To be teachable. And I, 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 I'm thinking about Ernest. In our men's meeting the other day, Ernest said that we're old setting our ways. Talk about old people like us. But we may be setting our ways a lot of natural things, but as spiritual things we're not. We're teachable still. We are teachable. We're meek. We still receive the implanted word. And you know what I think about that implanted? It says in the King James there, years ago when that, uh, I don't, I know nothing about these things, never know anybody had one, but I know there's things out there called patches. And I know that years ago, people used to get these patches, the nicotine patches they called them. And they're supposed to, if they got a craving for a cigarette or tobacco, they're supposed to give Scott a little spurt or something, ejection or something, and put it into their system so they wouldn't go light up again to try to help them. And I think about this implanted word. This word gets implanted, Greek says engrafted, into our soul. And so that word gets engrafted into our solical part of our lives. We need a little spurt from God. It helps us to say no. To lay aside the filthiness and the abundance of wickedness when that word gets implanted. Now get what I'm saying, what the Bible said. Said it's able to save your souls. Well, a lot of things... That's God's able to do in our lives, but we're the ones got to be the doers of it. We're the ones. It says receive with meekness. And so what I say all the time, I was taught this as a young Christian, when somebody's teaching the word of God and they're saying things I need to hear, I wish by my breath, Jesus, I receive that. I receive that, Lord, that's for me. That's for me, Jesus, I receive that. It says we have a choice. We can receive with meekness. And Something else I've learned too, there's been things, sometimes I've learned things wrong spiritually because somebody was teaching error and I didn't know it at the time. And I'll be sitting under somebody else and all of a sudden they show up an abundance of scriptures like I'm doing now. I always have a lot of scriptures. But all of a sudden I'll say, wow, wait a minute. 
That guy was right on a lot of things, but I can see now he wasn't teaching right. And so what I do then, I receive with meekness and say, Lord, forgive me if I've taught that wrong myself because I had wrong teaching I believed. I say, forgive me for that, Lord. And Lord, I receive with meekness. In other words, I'm teachable. Be teachable. Be teachable. Be teachable. Why? Because it's able to save your souls. It's only able to save your souls if you're not hard-hearted and hard-headed. And you say, well, I already know that. That's wrong. I'm shutting him down. I'm not going to listen to her because I know that's wrong. You better always stay teachable. If it's wrong, don't listen to it. If you know it's wrong from the Word of God. But just because you hear something different and it seems right to your heart, you always listen with your heart. And it seems right that be open with the scriptures. And if it can't be taught to you from the word of God in multiple places, then it's not really a Bible doctrine. Bible doctrines, the principles of God's word, are cover to cover. Amen. Does this help anybody? Amen. Now, I want to read this verse again because this, this verse right here has lit me up for about the last three months. Receive with meekness a grafted word, and this always jumps off at me, which is able to save your souls. And that's what we're talking about is our souls. And it says, what saves our souls? The grafted word. Now I want to show you another verse that goes along with that, that the Lord's been giving me in the same season. Go to Psalms 19. Amen. Psalms 19, we're going to look at verse 7 when we get there. But Psalms, Psalms 19 <clears throat> has been my, has been my go-to for the last few months. Verse 7. The law of the Lord, talk about the Word of God, is perfect, converting the soul. That's saying the same thing. Receive with meekness the grafted Word is able to save your soul. Well, save your soul, convert your soul. Psalm 23 says, restores your soul. And so he says, <clears throat> the law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. Testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. Making wise the simple. But God's word is the only way to convert our soul from living like an unsaved person to living like the mature, born-again believer that God wants us to be. Is this, is we painting a picture here making sense to you what we're saying? I, I think about my soul. I've been working on my soul for 43 years. And it's just like I said a while ago, sometimes something comes out of the mouth. You think, where'd that come from? And I think about back in Indiana, we, we, we had a lot more gardens than we have here because back there we had free water. It was rain. It rained a lot. Dirt out there is different kind of dirt. It wasn't sand. It was a lot of it was black dirt, really rich soil out there. And I, I remember there'd be a lot of times you work the same garden spot for years, and all of a sudden a big old rock comes up. Where'd that come from? What well, was there? But just all of a sudden it popped back up. And so you don't leave the rock there; you get rid of the rock. In your life, all of a sudden those words come out of your mouth, like, "Man, I haven't said that for years, Jesus." Your soul needs converted more. It needs restored, needs renewed, needs changed, and you need the engrafted word. The word has got to not only be in your heart, 
They'd be a part of your solical life, your emotions, your will. That's the thing you've got to understand. When that grafted word, that implanted word, gets connected to your soul, becomes a part of your soul on the inside of you, then you get on automatic pilot, and automatically you're going to say things that's right. Automatically, it's just like all the different things, you know, the spell check thing, which I don't think a lot about. I don't like it a lot is what I'm saying, because I don't like how it changes my words when I'm talking to people. And so I, I have to read text now three or four times to make sure because I've read them before and still put out stupid stuff I didn't really say. And I get tired of going back and say, that wasn't me. That was spell check. That's not what I said. Well, we have a soul check. It's called the engrafted word. And when our soul check's working and something tries to come to our mind to say or to do that's not right, then that soul check, the engrafted word, will give us a spurt. Of the power of God come through us and we'll stop quickly and change and make a correction before we do things we didn't want to do. Hey Amen. That's, that's, that's good stuff. I like that. I wish that would have been in my notes. That's a freshman. Hey Amen. Soul check. I like that. Mom, write that down. I'll use that next time. I, I want to close <clears throat> with the place we, that we've always looked at around here. Psalms 1. And I'll, I'll make this kind of quick because we have looked at this a lot, but these first three verses tell you how to get that grafted word into your soul tell you how it tells you how to convert your soul tells you how to restore your soul how to renew your soul and this first verse is basically what James 121 said wherefore lay apart all filthiness and abundance of wickedness how do you do that blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. Watch who you hang out with. And, you know, you can be hanging out with the wrong people by watching them on TV. You hang out with the wrong people by reading them on the Internet. Because that stuff will get on you, and <clears throat> it'll cause your soul to head back the other direction. But here is how you get the grafted word into your soul. Here's how the, the Psalms 19, verse 7, the law of the Lord is perfect, converting your soul. You have to be a doer of the word. His delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. In the word of God, you meditate day and night. The Hebrew, I've said this many times, is an active recitation, a re-speaking of God's word. Read the Bible out loud. And somebody used to say to me all the time, Pastor, I can't memorize verses. And I always say, I don't memorize verses. I never memorize verses. I meditate in the Word of God. When I meditate in the Word of God, it gets into my spirit. And then in John 16, Jesus said, He'll bring to my remembrance all things He said to me. So He brings them not out of my head, but out of my heart. It, 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 it always amazes me when I'm up here teaching. All of a sudden, I mean, I, I can stand here and quote you half the Bible probably. If I wanted to, but I don't do that. But verses like this sermon, all these different verses came out of me just like that today because they weren't in my head. They were in my heart. And so, you know, you can memorize if you want to. A lot of people talk about memorizing. I guess it's okay. I used to memorize fractions and math tables and questions for history books. But after I got bored again and my pastor taught me, you meditate the word. You speak the word out loud. And then the word, as it comes into your heart... Then it begins to graft to your soul. 
He says you meditate the word day and night. You ponder by speaking it out loud. And that's what I've always done. I speak it out loud, but I read it today. But I'm in my prayer closet at home, my Bible, in the morning time. When I read, no matter what I'm reading, I read it out loud, I read it out loud, I read it out loud. You know why? I meditate in the Word day and night. When I meditate in the Word day and night, that engrafted Word is converting my soul. And it converts my soul at the first sign of soul trouble. When the thoughts come, I immediately speak the Word of God out loud. I don't just ignore nasty thoughts. I speak the Word of God out I just don't ignore hateful thoughts. I speak the Word of God out on love. Whatever it is comes my way, I speak out loud what the Word of God says about that situation. And that's how I meditate the Word day and night. So anyway, uh, get your soul under control. If you do these things, your life, your life will change for the better. And like Hebrews 10.39 said, you won't fall back to perdition. You won't backslide. You'll keep going forward. Amen, amen, amen. Pastor Dave, you're going to play the guitar. Wait, wait. Well, he's going to play the guitar and I'm going to sing so just everybody can leave. <laughs> Hallelujah. Let's stand up. Let's stand up. I don't know about you, but I liked what I just taught. I, I, think, I think that was really helpful to the body of Christ. I know it's helped me and I just, I just, uh, Think about our calling here to equip God's people for victorious Christian livings. It's just so sad to see Christians that never got a hold of the fact that that their body's not them, their head's not them, but their spirit is the real them. And the spirit has to work through the soul to express itself on earth. So as you as you uh, keep on thanking God for your salvation, that you didn't get it uh, by works, you got it by faith. Just understand, your soul is a lifelong process. You keep on having to work on that soul all the time, and the Bible calls that working out your own salvation with fear and trembling. The Bible calls that your soul needs saved, etc., etc. So anyway, just hold on to those things, study those things, and get some of those verses into your life and learn them for yourself. And the next time you're under attack, just say, wait a minute, God's just as strong in my spirit as He ever was. This is my soul, and I'm going to get my soul under control. Amen. 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 Good job, guys. All right. Well, we're going to worship the Lord and the altar team come up here where the prayers are. And if you need prayer for anything, we'll pray for you. And if uh, you need some soul help, we'll help your soul up here. We'll lay, we'll lay hands on you. Release God's power in you to help you. Amen.
I just learned something. As long as I've been at this church, I just learned about the different type of prayers we have. This is the amplified version right here. That's the new living up there. And I'm King James. So, so whatever kind of prayer you want, just determine which line you come into. But I think people like to amplify it because it usually outdoes everybody. So when you go to Katie's line, you know you've been prayed for. <laughs> that was good, Katie. Are we ready? All right. Financial faith confession, right? <laughs> All right. We'll, we'll let that one dry up one of these days, but I didn't get too much mileage off of that one. <laughs> okay, let's go. We declare that Barstow is a blessed city. Our families are blessed. Our schools are blessed. Our churches are blessed. Barstow is healed. Barstow is prospering. Barstow is safe. Barstow is strong. Barstow is surrounded by the walls of God's salvation. Barstow is full of love, joy, and peace. Barstow is full of the glory of God. Barstow is coming to Jesus. Barstow is saved. In Jesus' name, amen. Go with the joy of the Lord.